bring us over the crossing, hit a little bit lunch, and um, get us fired up. The gentleman was 84 years old, and he was in a lot of physical distress and a lot of other burdens, but he was fired up about this. And he was sitting there looking at me, and he goes, you do know it's just believing in him. It's believing in him. And we had this wonderful discussion before our meal about believing in him. And most of us are familiar with, you know, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God did what? He so loved the world that he did something about it. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I love that word, whosoever what? Yep. Believes in him should not what? Perish. Now that's a much broader word than we think it is. But shall have eternal eternal life. <clears throat> so last week we got to we got into talking about then out of second out of first Timothy chapter two. Um, we gotten to talk about then the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that it is the desire of God's heart that all men be saved. Remember that in the text. And that not only that then, but that all men might come to the knowledge of the truth. I mean to be really not just know it or know about it, but that you would know it so well that you have received it so much that it literally is in your life working, impacting you, making an influence upon you and where it's being lived out in your life. That's the desire, and that's the desire of my heart as a pastor teacher. And then went on down and talked about because God, uh, uh, praise God for who he is and what he has done, and that he has, there is one God, and, there, and then we talked about how there is one mediator between God and man, and it's not saints, and it's not angels, and it's not priests, per se. It's not any of that. There's one mediator between God and man, and it is the man, or the man, man who is it? Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for, for us. Okay, so a price had to be paid for you. Um, to be bought off the auction block of sin, okay? And so he was that ransom. Then the, this text says he is the testimony that was born or given at the proper time. And, uh, and we focused in the rest of the time on that, on that phrase, that word, he is the testimony. And, uh, and the testimony is, in your review, it is... The, the law of God that he gave, okay? And we're not talking about, there are 613 of them, but we're not talking that. We're talking the Ten Commandments, okay? And uh, I should stop right here and say, okay, go ahead and quote them. Okay, that was a jolt. Uh, <laughs> anybody know the very first one? Yeah. Don't have any other gods before it. Okay. Anybody know the second one? Don't make any graven images. Number three. Do what? Yeah, do not bear it or carry the name of the Lord in vain. All right, number four. Yes. Remember the remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number keep going. Come on. Yeah. Do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, and thou shalt, thou shalt, that's old King James, isn't it? Do not covet. Okay. Wow, impressive. It's good. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Well, we know that in the law of God, we find the embodiment of truth. So Jesus Christ is the truth. Matter of fact, he is the way of living. Okay, he is the truth. 
And so when the Bible says, when Paul writes that he is the testimony that was given at the proper time, he said what he's saying to us is he is the one who not only gave the law, but he's the one who is the law keeper. And here it is. He's the testimony. It's in his life. His life personified becomes the testimony. Okay? Or the witness. Okay? And so we talked about <clears throat> we talked about all of that <clears throat> coming down to where uh, to where then he is the lawgiver, he is the law keeper, and he is the law satisfier. <clears throat> we call this, as we ended up last week with Jeremiah thirty one. And in Jeremiah thirty one, verses thirty one to thirty four, what did we find there? In Jeremiah thirty one we find that Jeremiah is proclaiming that God's good there's a day coming when he's going to do a new thing. There's this new thing. It's not a brand new thing. It's kind of a renewed thing, but it's going to be new in quality. It's going to be new in emphasis, new in uh, expression. It's going to be new in example, in that kind of way. And he, he's called it where he's going to take the testimony, he's going to take the law of God, and he's going to put it where? He's going to put it in our hearts. It's no longer going to be on tablets of stone. It's going to be something that is planted in our hearts. And uh, let, let, matter of fact, let me get there where it says, uh, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I'm going to put my law within them. I'm going to write it on their hearts. Uh, I'm going to write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and etc., etc. And then he goes on down, and I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember sometimes. What's it say? And their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that great? So, with all of that in mind, but I also met with some other guys this week, and I was in this group, and we were meeting in my office, and uh, we got down to a prayer time, and a guy just, he was just, oh, Lord, I am so fallen. And I went, you know, I'm going, wait a minute, I thought, I thought we'd been raised up. I thought we had been raised to new life. And we have been what? Raised to a place where we are seated in the heavenly realms of Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm going. Oh, he's, 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 oh, Lord God, I am so fallen. I'm so fallen. And then he said, I am such a sinful wretch. <clears throat> and I'm <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I thought we had been set free. And, uh, you know, if you're a if you're a wretch, that just simply means that you are miserable and unhappy, uh, okay? And that uh, you are perhaps a poor in quality or just bad, okay? Have you ever felt that way about yourself at times? Oh, come on, y'all. Play along with me. Well, if you haven't, that's good. Okay? Some of us have had this, had this battle. And then he goes aside, and then he kept on praying, and he said, uh, and of course the opening statement was, I, I just don't feel intimate with God. And then he got into this prayer. And then the third thing he said, I, oh Lord, we, 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 don't, we don't have the mind of Christ on this. Okay. All he's describing is the typical experience of most believers. Okay. So, if you will go with me one more time, we cover this about once a year, but if you'll go with me to Romans 7, I want us to see some things, okay, in Romans 7, relating to the testimony, relating to Jesus Christ, relating to the law, relating to this business of being fallen and Sinful wretches. Okay? Um, I, it's going to be on the screen, but I really would like for you to see it in your own Bible. I'm going to do something I don't normally do a lot. Uh, I'm going to take this passage and we're just going to read it. Okay? So if you'll hang in there with me, if you need it, it's there. Can, can you all see that? Do I need to get out of the way? Do I need to get out of the way? Move it over that way. Okay. 
that help? Did that help? Hope there's no real bad glare on it. But, okay. Well, so here's what you have. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. It says, Therefore, my brethren, reading from the New American Standard Version, you also were made to die to the law. Okay? Through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now, y'all say that, but now, but now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. So, uh, y'all like that bound feeling? I just love that bound feeling. What? I thought y'all like bondage. So that we serve, we serve in the newness of spirit. Now, a lot of Bibles have spirit, or it is small s. This is, um, in my Bible, it's capital S, and it doesn't matter if it's small s or capital S, because if you come to Christ, okay, that Paul makes clear to the Corinthians that his spirit has been joined with my spirit, and we have become one spirit. So whether it's small s or capital S, it doesn't, okay, well, it doesn't matter, but I mean, you know, it's, it's the inwardness of it by the Spirit, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Well, what shall we say then? I mean, is the law sin? Your answer? On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except sin as a nature, a principle, a thing that dominates me. I would not have come to know sin except through the law. Or I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment produced in me, coveting of every kind. For Apart from the law, sin is dead. You might want to underline that. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, the commandment, sin became alive, and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result what? In death. For me. For sin. Horrible thing. Taking an opportunity through the commandment. Deceived me and through through the commandment killed me. So then the law, the law is holy. And the commandment is holy. It's righteous. It's good. There's nothing else like it in all the world. Therefore, in terms of law. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good. So, that through the commandment, through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. And then he says, for we know, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. How many of you would like to please God? Come on, you really, you really want to please God? Well, how, do you want to please, how can you please God? By doing His good pleasure. Well, what's His good pleasure? Fulfilling, fulfilling the sixth 
fulfilling the top four commandments, which are love, expressions of love to God, and the last six commandments, which are expressions of love to humanity. Well, is that God's good pleasure? Absolutely. Okay? And how many of you would like to please God? Of course. I'm talking about any believer, born again, truly wants to please God. But he says, I, I, what I'm doing, I do not understand. Or I am not practicing what I would like to do, which is please God. But I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. You might want to underline that verse. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Do I have any witnesses out there? Does anybody, I just want to know if anybody identifies with that. What Jesus tells his disciples, the spirit indeed is willing. Flesh is weak. Verse 19. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. You might want to underline that. But sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle. Well, what is it? That evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. And here he says these famous words. Wretched man that I am. What? Miserable and unhappy. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Fire down in my heart. And most of us are miserable and unhappy. Don't, I'm not, that's not a put down. Let's face the realities of what we're in and what we're doing. Okay. And so, wretched man that I am. If Paul could say it, I can say it. If Paul identified with it, I can identify with it. Okay? Who? Notice he says who, not what. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? I'm glad he didn't say what because then it would have been read your Bible twice through in a year and you'll be happy and you'll have victory. I knew a guy. I didn't know him personally. But he read his Bible through four times a year. Of course, that was George Mueller. Tremendous man of faith. Of course, he lived in the age where they didn't have distractions like television and online stuff and computers and tablets and phones. Still, I mean, still. Okay. But I'm just telling you, God did not say, Paul did not write, what? What will set me free? I, if you'll pray five hours a day, that's going to make the difference. If you'll fast three times a week, you'll no longer be miserable and unhappy. You might be hungry, but you'll no longer be miserable and happy, unhappy, and you'll have the victory. He didn't say what. He said who. 
Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, he doesn't expound on that right here. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, <laughs> we'll save that. Therefore. Now, do I have anybody that identifies with this chapter? Absolutely. Um, I, I know Seth and Daniel probably have, this is my hardest chapter. They probably, they probably got it down and understand it great, which is super, because they're going to be preaching more. Here's the deal. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, it's been forever for me to really grab what he's saying in this chapter. Now, are you, here, here's the problem. The problem is verse, the problem is verse 25. Okay? On the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God. That's his problem. He has his mind in the wrong place. Are you with me? And I will say this. God is not after you becoming perfect. God is not after you becoming perfect. In Christ, you are complete. As a matter of fact, in Christ, God sees you as holy and without blame. Is anybody here going to receive that? That is your standing before God, not your actual state. You're in this, what he's describing in chapter 7 is the typical Christian experience. Say, typical Christian experience, chapter 7. But the normal Christian experience is in chapter 8. Say it again. The typical Christian experience is chapter 7. The normal Christian experience is Chapter 8. You have this. You see, what he's describing here, he's describing the body, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, took care of some things for you legally. When he died on the cross, he died to sin, and we died with him, and we died to sin in a legal sense. And we have been freed. Okay, so in that sense, that's objective truth, okay? But what we need, the objective truth, to become something subjective. So in chapter 6 of Romans, it really behooves you to go and study 6, 7, and 8 a thousand times. Well, what? A hundred. Ten. Whatever it takes for you to... My wife says I'm dramatic. Yes, I am. But I'm not drama. And so, as often as you need to, so you gets ingrained in you, not just objectively, but subjectively. Because in chapter 6, he is what? He has overcome and defeated the body of sin. Come on. That's what Christ, we talked about this at communion times when we have communion together up front here. We've now taught and preached on the thing that with the death of Christ through his, see, the blood forgives sins, Correct. But the body, he died, his body was broken. was it so broken. It was, he didn't even look like a man. His countenance was so tore up. So his body was broken. And he, so through that broken body, the death of the cross of his body, sin 
as dominating factor in our lives was through. It was over. Okay? But in chapter 7, he's not talking about only, he is talking about it, but not just only the body dominated by sin. He took care of that in chapter 6. But in chapter 7, he's talking about now the body dominated by death. Okay? Well, how many times died, killed, death, death, How many times did he use the word death in chapter 7? Five, at least five times. Death, 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 death. And he gets to the end, and he says in verse 24, Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? some points. So what did we learn? We learned that sin, this thing that dominates mankind, um, is aroused by something. So what's it aroused by? I read it in your hearing. I'm not going to ask any questions that you have to, that's not written down in black and white ink. Well, I might not. So, so, sin is stirred up and aroused out. Say it. Yes. Verse, is it verse 4, verse 5? The sinful passions, what does it say? Which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body. Okay? By the way, what do we know about the law of God? What do we know about it? It's, it's holy. There's nothing like it. It's very distinct and separate. It's holy, unique. What else do we know about it? It's good. It's righteous. And it's good. Okay? Well, how bad is sin? Sin is so bad, it will take something so holy and so good and use it against you and kill you. That's how evil sin is in a person. By the way, that's why preachers and evangelists, if they're out there preaching, ought to preach the law of God so it would kill some people. I don't mean literally. I'm not. I'm talking about. People are out there alive. They're out there alive, partying, having a good time. They got more joy than some people in here. Why? Because, I mean, you know, but they don't know about the law. When they hear about the law, then they, they get convicted. They get they get sentenced. They get, they get their spirit swivels up. Sin will taking opportunity through the commandment. He said it. Sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, killed me. It wasn't the law that killed you, but it was sin that that makes you perish in whatever the area or situation you're in. So what happens? So write this one down. Just a couple of simple points. So, So what happens? Uh, number one. Is it verse 14? It is. There's something else about the law you need to know. The law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. So, it cannot be fulfilled in our lives in a natural way. That was worth the price of admission. The law is spiritual. It really does focus on the heart of that matter and the inner issues. And it's a spiritual thing. So it cannot be fulfilled in a natural way. Which means you and I cannot please God in a natural way. 
I got to tell you, I was one of the days this week I got up and I've been reading the book of Leviticus. I dread that book every year when I go through reading the Bible and reading the book of Leviticus. That's one of the toughest books for me to read. Now, there are some jewels in there. There are some great things in there. There are some, of course, and the whole focus of the book and uh, focusing on the, uh, being holy, being set apart, being unique in this, that, and the other. And I'm just telling you, one day, one day this week, I got up and I was, I was, it, it was not there. I wasn't going to do the religious thing and just read through that next morning the book of Leviticus. And I did eventually finish it, but I didn't do it that morning, and I didn't do it in my regular devotions, and I didn't do it in my daily Bible reading. <gasps> Not the pastor. So I just did my devotional out of the, the thing we're studying on emotionally healthy relationships at night. I just did my devotional through that and went on about my day. <gasps> no! The law is spiritual, so it cannot be fulfilled in our lives in a natural way. Here's point number two. All right, What did we read in verses 14 through 24? Here's what we read. Evil is present with me. Let me make that more specific. Evil is present in me, making me a prisoner. He's not talking about unsaved people here. He's talking about saved people. The typical Christian who's in this great battle. What does that mean? Well, what does he say? Verse 17. So now, no longer am I the one doing it. I mean, well, verse 16. You know, if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it. Oh, you just let me off the hook. Well, Yeah. Because it's not you doing it. What's doing it? Sin, which dwells in me. Well, what does he mean? Well, I know nothing, nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me. But the doing of the good is not there. And then he said, verse 20, but if I, if I am doing the very thing I don't want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it. I'll let you off the hook today. I saw this. I'm no longer the one doing it. He's not talking about unsaved people here. But sin, which dwells in me. So I find in the principle, verse 21. Here's the principle. What's the principle? Stop. Well, go ahead and read the rest of it. That verse. Now let me ask you, have you been saved, born again? Do you know the Lord? Do you want to do good? Of course we want to do good. But what do we find? We find that evil is present in me. See, now I understand when the guy's praying this prayer, and uh, when, he's, when he's praying this prayer, can I tell you something today? Uh, my human body, we are, I, I am still fallen. Will you admit it? Say it. I'm still fallen. I'm talking about my human body, the body of this death. I've realized what he was saying was that, oh, I'm a sinful wretch. you or are you still here? <laughs> I, I, I do want to announce to you though, God does not want us to live in this place. I recognize evil is present in me. I, I, I recognize it's the flesh versus the spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Do you all recognize that? 
We should be so full of the joy of the Lord. And yes, rejoicing in Him. And yes, it's so white and so wonderful. And yes, we come in here and bring some exuberant, wonderful worship. And it could even be even better. But we realize, when I make the statement, when I make the statement to you that you should be able to live in such a way that where you can say to people, you follow me as I follow Christ. And, I, and, and when I said that, not too long ago, <gasps> that's what was done. And we know that we can't say that to people. You follow me as I follow Christ because, because we're sinful wretches. <laughs> because we're the typical Christian living in a fallen body that's still not been redeemed. And our mindset has been in the wrong place. Does God want you to fulfill his good pleasure? Does he really want the law lived out in your life? The answer is yes, but you ain't going to do it focusing on the law. <laughs> you aren't going to do it reaching for perfection. Will you stop making that your goal? Oh, I know you're... Lord, they're having to work on that one. They're, they're having to sift through that and, you know, I release you today in the name of the Lord Jesus to stop making perfection your goal. By the way, that's the letter for Shin, Hebrew letter for Shin in the Bible. I'm not Spock, okay, but this is, he was a Jew and he was doing this and it was not some Klingon sign. And the high priest back then, he would do this and give the ironic blessing over the people. God, that's what John John taught us, John Phelps taught us, doesn't it? See, the ironic blessing. But I'm, I'm just telling you, I am releasing you today from striving for perfection. Then what's the answer? You see, Paul said in verse 25, he said, with my mind, you see, with my mind, I'm serving the law of God. Er. Now he put that statement statement in there on purpose, because he's saying, this is me as the typical Christian in the struggle till I came to understand that Christ was my victory. And he said, so, with my mind, I'm serving the law of God, but in my flesh, the law of sin. Now, this thing ain't going away until you go away. <laughs> okay. So I'm not saying you're not going to have contention with this for the rest of your life. Well, no wonder Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I discipline and buffet my body and bring it into subjection. I make my body my slave. That's why Michael could say, well, Michael says, get away from me, devil, but I'm going to church today. So his sugar level was high, but he pressed on through. He made his body his slave and came on. Do you follow the idea? Now, most men live by their, they live by their flesh, they live by their passions, they live by their body, they live by their, okay, you know, the body dominates everything. But you're going to think, you're going to have this the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. What did, what did he say the answer was? Go to church five times a week. Read the Bible. Pray. Fast. Work in the community. Serve. All those things we should do. But he says, therefore, chapter 8, verse 1. So you got the two points. Okay? You got those two things down. So here it is. So therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you. Are you in Christ? You, look, you're either in Adam, natural man, the first man who ever lived. You're either in Adam or you are in Christ, one or the other. You're either a natural person or you've been born again, a spiritual person now, in Jesus Christ. Okay? So therefore, there's now no... What if, you, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? No condemnation. Now, will the Holy Spirit maybe speak to you or 
maybe bring some conviction to you about it, but that's different than condemnation. Okay. But your focus isn't on the law anymore. God is calling. <laughs> Will you answer that call? <laughs> answer the call and say yes to God. So therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I think King James Version says so those who do not walk after the flesh but after the Spirit. And then he says, for the law, and you've heard this a hundred times, right? For the law, there is another law that supersedes this. There is another law that is greater and supersedes the law of, uh, of, of sin in your life. By the way, uh, in his book, uh, Normal Christian Life, Watchman Nee uses it. He said there's this law of gravity and this, this handkerchief is floating down because of the law of gravity. Law of gravity. And it's floating down. But he said, I stick my hand out and under that, that uh, under the handkerchief and it floats down in my hand. And guess what? A greater law has happened and overcome the law of gravity. So is there, is there a greater law that overcomes this law of sin and death? Yeah. See, legally, 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 in chapter 6, we've been set free, but, in, but we need something practically. And the truth, objectively, has got to become subjective in us. And so he says, therefore, the law, there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And of course, he goes on to explain, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did in sending his son sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, why? So that the requirement or the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who do what? Who no longer walk after the flesh, but now walk after the what? According to the Spirit. See, and here's the thing. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the law. Wait a minute, he just said in verse 25 of chapter 7 that he, with his mind he was serving the law of God. He's making a concluding statement that if you keep your mind on the law of God, guess what? Sin's going to continue to be aroused in your life. Things are going to continue to, you know, and you'll be, you'll be saved and you'll know the Lord, but you're going to be a miserable miserable, unhappy person. Why? Because you're doing things that you don't want to do and you want to please God, but you don't... So what's the answer? Believe in Him. See? It's not a what. It's a who. So my friend is sitting across from me and he's 84 years old and he said, Tim, it's just believe in Him. Just believe in Him. Believe in Him. Believe in Him. Well, who's the Him? Jesus Christ and the righteousness of the law, the, the well-pleasing to God will come out in our lives whose minds are not set on things of the flesh, but whose for the mind set on the flesh is what? Is death. But the mind set on the law is life and peace. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. So I didn't read Leviticus Thursday morning. And I had lots of life. Now later on, I felt motivated, inspired, impressed to go back and I finished out reading the book of Leviticus. Okay? And actually, I was able to... I had already a hundred un underlined places in there, but I was able to underline some more things the Lord was showing me. But I didn't do it as a religious thing. I didn't do it as an obligation. I did it as a, okay, Holy Spirit's coming. Here, you got some time. Now go ahead and go back and read that and look at that. Sure. Sure. You know what? And we've, we've talked about this for years and years now. And, you know, I, and I hope this has been made clear for you that, you know, it's all by my spirit. 
saith the Lord. You see, we died to the law so that we can bear fruit for God now. If you stay married to the law, focused on the law, object the law, now, your kids need to know the law. Why would your children, why would I say to you, your children need to know the law? Why? Because, number one, they've got to know God's standard for living. Number two, they, they've got to come under conviction. I took my kids, they were four or five years old, I'm talking about Stephanie and Maria. They, the reason they understood the gospel is because they understood the Ten Commandments and they understood already at such a young age that they had sinned against a holy God. They, could not, they understood at that young age that they could not even keep the Ten Commandments. Hello? And I point, guess, guess who I got to point them to? Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. That whosoever, you see, we don't denigrate the law here. We, we thank God for the law. It's got a holy and wonderful place. God uses it to bring lost people to himself. But I'm telling you, um, Christ set us free from sin, the body of sin in chapter 6, and he set us free from the body of death in chapter 7. So no longer do we have to be miserable wretches. I'm just telling you. So what should you be doing? Doing what? So you have your mind on the things of the Spirit. Well, what are the things of the Spirit? And without going there, that's a whole other lesson. But And I've, I've taught it many times. But if you went to 1 Corinthians 3, you'd find out that God gives you a lot of free things and he, you know what he freely gives you? He gives you his thinking. He gives you his thoughts. He gives you his insights. He gives you his depths. He gives you because nobody knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him. And I don't know all what Doc's thinking right now, and I don't know what all Kyle is thinking right now, but their spirit knows. I do not know the thoughts of God except by his spirit. The spirit of the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Do I want to know His thinking? Do I want to know His ways? Do I want to know Him? And so, I'm going to dwell on the things of the Spirit. I'm going to dwell on His insights, His instructions, His perceptions, what He's telling me, what He's showing me from the Scriptures, what God wants me to know about Himself. And let me tell you, how are you going to learn it? By the Spirit. So, in being a uh, being a mother and a wife, should you operate by the by the spirit or how? You mean not according to the way the world's teaching you? How about a man? How about a husband? How about a father? How about a a young man? How how about you see? The only way to be alive is by the spirit of God. By the way, if those who do not have the Spirit of God, they are none of Christ. And that means you have no life. God considers us dead without Him being inside. Life, Spirit, is not. And so, and I know some of you got this down, and I'm, I'm, it's really exciting. And others of you are getting it down. And that's why the level of rejoicing around here is going to go up even more. That's why the level of uh, inspiration is going to go up around even more. That's why people are going to come bringing notes that God has spoken to them during the week and bring them to church and share them. More! Why? Because you're going to be more in tune with the Spirit than you are with anything religious or law or the world. And man, it's going to be, as old Jimmy Walker used to say, dying, oh my. Now the young people don't know what I'm talking about, but anyway. Uh, you follow me? And guess what? To boot, the law of God is lived out in your life because the law, back to Jeremiah 31, the law has been put into our hearts. It's been put in the inside. Well, how did it get there? By the presence of the Spirit coming in. Because who's the lawgiver? Yeah, more specifically, Jesus Christ came down on Mount Sinai. He's the lawgiver. Well, who's the law observer and the law satis the law keeper? It's Jesus Christ. It's Him. And now, not only will He let you fulfill the law and live to the good pleasure of the Lord, 
God himself, but he's going to give you, he's going to say, hey, do this, or get engaged over here, or uh, let's hold up right here a minute. Or, you know, he's going to give you impressions and sensations in you that you're going to know some things, and you're going to be able to do some things. And it's like, uh, and so the praise team, what do they do? I, I, I can tell you with confidence that they seek the Lord about what He wants them to say. Come on. And uh, I seek the Lord about what He wants me to preach and teach. I'm not praying with people during the week or talking to them. Just like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say to these people? That's all I do. I don't say it out loud. I just, and, you know, okay, the Lord just is there. So let me ask you, how many of you, do you trust the Lord? Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him through this crisis of your of your health condition and all the situations, your income, your house, all the other... Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him? I, uh, by the way, I pray about everything. i, I got plumbing problems in my house. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you've got the number one, you got to let me know how to handle this, what to do about it, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's just an example. Oh, my, my house is old. What can I say? What about you? What about your marriage? And I, we're among the mature adults in here. Even in the bedroom in intimate times with my wife, I am praying. I'm praying, wait. God, lead me. I know this is a mature subject, but it's like, God, would you lead me? Will you lead my hands? God, will you direct me? Rhoda doesn't know it. But I'm whispering to God, even if something as intimate and precious as that. Can you apply that? I, I'm trying to, I'm, I only bring that up to the point that there's not an area of your life that you cannot bring to God and let Him lead you, teach you, invigorate you, stimulate you, stir you, use you. Hey, why? I'll tell you what, because life has come. Life has come. No wonder multitudes have left the church. There ain't no life. No presence, no stirring, no whatever. Now, God's doing the work, praise God. There's some, there's some stirrings and revivals and things are happening, praise God. Anyway, man, i got 15 minutes left. That doesn't mean I'm going to take it. So, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would, what, believe in him, not just for salvation, but for everything. perish, shall not be miserable and unhappy, shall not be poor in quality or bad because you're, you're so focused on this and it's causing you to trip up there and it's like, oh my soul, I shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. <laughs> I like life. How about you? I do too. So I stood right there today. I'll let you know it again. You know what I'm going to say. And I stood right there and I said, Lord, how do you want me 